Students are on the forefront of a changing workplace amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. As a part of our special reporting on how students' perspectives on their career aspirations are changing or enhancing during the coronavirus, I am joined today with Robert Kick, a senior TCNJ nursing student and member of the TCNJ Emergency Medical Services, EMS. Robert discusses the student organization's responsibility in the community, as well as insight he has learned through a real-life application working in his clinicals, as well as serving on his hometown EMT squad and firehouse. You are a member of the TCNJ EMS um, team or squad. Um, how long have you been a part of this organization? I've been doing that since my freshman fall. Um, I volunteered with an ambulance at home, so I took my EMT skills at home, looking for something similar at school. So made a lot of good friends through that. So nice, nice. Yeah. How did you first get involved with um, your home squad? Um, so I took an EMT class my senior year of high school. I was always kind of between. Yeah, I'm a nursing major, so I was between either nursing or um, engineering. And my senior year of high school, I took a um, like a college level physics class, and I also took a an EMT class. And I did much better on the in EMT class than I did in the college physics class. So I decided to go nursing and like medical side. Um, and then my teacher for the EMT class was actually a member of my volunteer fire department. And I had a friend whose father was in the fire department. So um, they got me into it. So I applied. I loved it ever since. I'm actually uh, the vice president elect. I just got um, I'm doing that this year too. Now that I'm graduating, I need other things to do with myself. So um, trying to get involved with that. So it, it's, it's been great. I love it. It's, uh, I spend entirely too much time down there. It's got like a gym, it's got an Xbox, it's got all this cool stuff. It's, it's like, it's, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so since you're a nursing major, how did you decide to go into nursing? Was it like directly influenced through your work as an EMT? Um, so yeah, so it was a little bit of the EMT stuff and a little bit of my dad also. So my dad works in, um, the clinical laboratories. So he does, that's his background. So he does like blood tests, urine tests, all that does. He runs like a day-to-day -day stuff for that. So he's always told me that like, I should go into medicine. It's like a recession-proof field. There's always have a job. Um, and he works a lot with nurses and educating nurses on how to do stuff and how to um, administer tests and how to send it up and all that good stuff. Cause that's, that falls under a nurse's job. So he's always been very impressed by the nurses. He says that like, you know, it's, it's, it's a very, what's the word, admirable field and noble field, all that good stuff. So um, he kind of pushed me towards it. And then also through my EMT class, I had a lot of, um, or my EMT job, I should say, I had a lot of uh, exposure and uh, I worked with a lot of nurses and they impressed me also. So I decided to go that, that route. So mm -hmm. it's an interesting way. It's a very interesting field, but. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> how is it, um, so through your nursing classes at TCNJ, mm -hmm. how has it been to have like a, I guess, real life application through EMS? That's a good question. Um, it, uh, I definitely feel that I'm, what's the word? I definitely feel like I have more, more experience talking to patients, especially earlier in my nursing like classes. Um, mm -hmm. By now, a lot of my peers in nursing have gotten like jobs working at hospitals, so they've kind of caught up to me. But definitely like my sophomore and then junior year, I was, I just knew how to talk to patients better and um, I knew how things worked in the hospital, all that good stuff, which, which is really great. Um, and also before that I had, I think, I still think I want to go into like emergency medicine. So like an ER nurse or even like an ICU, like higher acuity patients. Cause, um, obviously with, with EMS, you have a lot of critical patients and also not like a lot of not so critical patients. And I, I enjoy 
both, but I would definitely enjoy the uh, more critical stuff. It's like, you know, it's just exciting and, and it's always new. And especially with emergency medicine, you see everything, you know, you don't see, yeah. um, you don't see the same thing twice. And I, I like that a lot. So, um, but definitely being an EMT has, has helped me as a nursing student. Um, like I said, it's just the more exposure, the better. And um, I think that everyone really should have a background in like some kind of emergency medicine or maybe just to, just to see that kind of stuff because in our clinical, they don't obviously put us on very high acuity floors because we don't, we wouldn't know what to do. So um, it's unfortunate now this semester, especially because uh, we're not going to those higher acuity floors with our, with medsurg, with our medsurg clinical. So we're not going to the emergency department. We're not going to any ICUs. Um, we're not going to ORs or anything um, because of COVID. So unfortunately, a lot of the, um, nursing students for 2021 are going to graduate and not have that like higher acuity um, experience. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully they'll be able to do rotations once they graduate or whatever, but um, I'm lucky to have that experience because, you know, you, even if you're working on a lower acuity floor, you could always have patients that, you know, that, that have bad outcomes or they, you know, whatever happens, happens. And it's, it's good to have that background. Yeah. Yeah. So how, uh, how have your professors been preparing you like during clinicals right now? It, like, and especially with the coronavirus, like, has it been a challenge? Like, has it like, especially since like nurses are on the front lines of the pandemic? Yeah, so we've, um, we've changed things. We, we don't, like I said, don't go to those higher acuity floors now. We obviously wear masks, we have goggles we have to wear. Um, but now with that, with the second surge, it's, it's becoming more and more evident that we're gonna have to change things even for next semester. So. Um, they're going to be fitting us for N95. So those masks are actually fitted. You need to get like, they have specific ones that you fit into and not, they're not all the same thing, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so we're hopefully getting that for, with the school next semester, but that's obviously another added cost. So we'll have to see if that, if that comes to fruition and if we're able to afford it with the school or who would have to pay for it. But um, on that side of it, we're getting to, uh, we're getting the ability hopefully to go onto those COVID floors or because um, we, I, ha I was in a clinical and we, ended a week early because they turned um, our floor onto, into a COVID overflow. So it wasn't the primary place that the, that the COVID patients would go to, but if they needed to, they would send it up there. Um, and the hospitals don't want to pay for us for the masks. The masks, as you can imagine, have skyrocketed in price. And um, that's one of the craziest things that I've seen is before coronavirus, really, um, even back in like February, before all this happened, I had a, I think it was a tuberculosis patient. And for that, you also need the N95 masks. And I would use a brand new one every time you went in the room. You'd put a, you know, you put a brand new mask on. You go and take, hey, do you want lunch? I'm gonna take your vitals. You'd be in there for like two minutes. You do what you had to do, and you throw the mask away. Now you use the same mask for sometimes two, three shifts, four shifts in a week. Um, nurses in March and April were using the same mask for two weeks, three weeks. So it's just crazy to see how you know, how quickly that's changed. But um, but besides that, we also with the nursing program we have a lot of. Um, like online stuff we're doing. We have Shadow Health, we have EHR Go. So um, we still do pre and post conference. So it's it's helpful. It's, you know, it's not optimal, but um, but a lot of the newest thing too is that a lot of hospitals are having a lot of, um, they're giving us more time to like get acclimated. That's what I heard from the class of 2020. Um, the, the hospitals are just giving you that much longer once you're hired to like get acclimated and to, you know, they, they don't want to put you out there if you're not comfortable. So the hospitals are being very, lenient, very understanding, hopefully, hopefully you're more understanding with us because we lost that much more than the, the seniors did last year. But um, yeah, lots of changes, but we'll see what comes next semester too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
How, how has it been in the hospital setting? Have you noticed like a lot of your classmates, they might be feeling differently about nursing or it's just like it's a whole new hmm. perspective? Um, I haven't seen a lot of, a lot of students not wanting to get involved with it. I, I mean, I've seen a lot of students be, like, I don't want to say afraid, definitely more cautious and, and they, won't, they don't want to go in if we don't have the proper PPE and all that stuff, which is obviously very understandable. Um, but I think if anything, it's kind of made us more, what's the word, more interested in nursing, more dedicated because with all this stuff going on, I mean, people, you know, people look, people before this looked up to nurses and, and doctors and, you know, as like heroes and, um, but now it's even more so now. Um, my brother's also applied to nursing programs and they're saying that like the amount of kids that are applying to nursing programs has like gone up and it's even harder to get into nursing programs now. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say it's really turned anyone away. It's really, like I said, it's it's, it's reinforced those those ideas and whatnot um, for me definitely, and def and also for a lot of my uh, my peers. That's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how is um so to get back to TCNJ EMS? How has mm -hmm. recruiting been this semester? It's like the organization itself. Yeah, it's been weird. We, I mean, we always have had online applications, obviously. Um, but, uh, it's even harder now cause it's, it's hard to, cause we're not doing anything on, obviously on campus this semester being that no one's there. Um, but it's hard to get newer EMTs to, to do it. Um, the, it's always kind of been hard to, to get and retain members as it is. Cause it is, I don't want to say it's a huge commitment, but it is, it does take a, like a pretty fair amount of time, uh, so the way we do it is it's every week, every other week you do an overnight during the week. And then throughout the semester, you do two or three overnights um, on the weekends. Obviously no one wants to work the weekends. Um, and it's hard to, it, it's always been hard to retain members because usually we'll get students come their freshman year. And then well, obviously once they are um, upperclassmen or even in their sophomore year, they've been exposed to, you know, parties and going out with friends. And once they have those, uh, those experience and those social outlets, it's hard to get students to want to be involved that much more, um, which I, you know, is very understandable because um, who wants to sit in a room and Decker when they can be out with their friends on a Saturday night, you know, but, um, but it's been, it's been hard. It's been hard to get, like I said, people to apply. It's been hard to get people to stick around, but our members are the ones that are, have stick, stuck around. They're, they're very into it and they're, they want to help out and we're, we're all very eager to, be involved next semester should we be back on campus hopefully um so yeah yeah what are some of the um tasks that uh the ums does like around campus um so the big one so being that we're so close to trenton um the 911 system is often pretty taxed so it's it, i don't want to say it's hard to get an ambulance i don't want to like scare anyone but um you know on those friday saturday nights it, it, it can get kind of they, let me put it this way. The, the county doesn't want to send an ambulance to us if they don't need to send an ambulance to us. So um, TCNJ EMS, we don't uh, transport. We have that little golf cart that we drive around, I'm sure um, everyone's seen. And, um, and what, what we do is we provide EMS care before the um, ambulance will get there. And then for those even lower acuity calls, we'll determine if an ambulance needs to come. So for example, if there's a student that's intoxicated, then we'll determine if that patient needs to... Um, to go to the hospital because I believe um, the um, what's the word procedure for campus police is if they find anyone under the age they have to call us and we determine um, if they need to go to the hospital if they want to go to the hospital obviously you can't kidnap people if they don't want to go to the hospital 
Um, so that's what we do for the for the county. And we kind of, um, what's the word? Decrease the amount of calls that Ewing EMS and Pennington Road EMS would have to come for for us. That's like our main objective, I would say, is to just kind of create a bubble around TCNJ. And obviously, we, if it's a critical call, the ambulance automatically gets called. If it's because um, there's certain questions that the dispatchers will ask, and um, if it ticks off certain things, and they'll automatically send an ambulance. But like I said, for those intoxicated patients where they're up and walking around and whatnot, um, they'll just send us. And then once we get there, we'll make a determination whether or not they have to go, whether or not they want to go to the hospital. Um, and it's not even for, for intoxicated students. It's for, you know, someone's having an allergic reaction. Maybe they just have a little bit of hives, you know, and they don't really need to go to the hospital. They don't really want to go to the hospital. Um, obviously, a lot of, I think, other EMTs, because you're talking to other EMTs also, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of them will tell you people call ambulances for, I don't want to say silly reasons, but reasons that like, we just can't really do anything about sometimes. So we've had patients call and like ask like, Oh, do you have like, I don't have a bandaid or I don't have a, you know, I don't have burn cream. I don't have, it's like, well, we don't carry burn cream. We don't yeah, band-aids. I give you a bandaid, but like did that warrant a 911 call kind of everything. But we're not, not that I don't, don't want people to call us. I will. Yeah. Right. If you think you need us, please call us. But, <laughs> um, but I guess that's our main objective and also for, um, for standbys for, Obviously, we're not having them this semester, but um, for the, you know, like the spring concert, fall concert, uh, homecoming, there's nothing that we would do is we would help out um, you and EMS and do standbys for them. And we would handle all the patient contact before them. And if, like I said, again, if we determine they need an ambulance, then we'll help them out with that. But that, that's our main thing on campus. We do all the things, too. We, you know, promote public health stuff. So we'll do fundraisers for different um, different things around the, around the, I guess, community that wouldn't need funds and um, we host CPR classes, so if any student wants to do a CPR class, we'll do that also. So it's a little bit of everything, I guess. Nice. Wow, sounds like sounds like a lot of responsibilities around campus. <laughs> oh yeah, and, yeah, working with the community too—that's really cool. Mm -hmm. how, like, is it? How is it to be in that position? Like, because since you're you're all TCNJ students yourselves, like working and like taking care of the TCNJ student community, like how is that like role? Oh, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's a, what's the word? I guess it's humbling to like be, uh, be tasked with such a thing. Um, and, uh, I guess you feel important. You feel like, you know, you're helping out, you're, you know, helping out your peers and everything. Um, like I said, it's going to be kind of frustrating sometimes with the, um, weekend shifts and the overnight shifts and not sleeping in your bed and, you know, sleeping in some, some room in Decker when you have an exam the next morning kind of a thing. It's like, can be kind of, I guess, annoying, but it's, it's at the end of the day, we, we look forward to helping people out and uh, people enjoy seeing us and people enjoy, you know, us being there. And, you know, it uh, gives them a sense of, I want to say hope, not, not hope. It gives them a sense of security and, and makes them feel safer. So that's all, all, always a good thing to be the person that, uh, that does that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And you're an EMT in your hometown. So how does that experience compare to at TCNJ? Um, so with at home, I'm, so my f uh, fire department does EMS and fire. So I do fire and I also do EMS. Um, and it's a little more involved. So the we obviously will transport. Uh, we do fire calls. We do car accidents. It's a little, little more of a a little bit more of everything as opposed to like TCNJ. Like we'll do, obviously we don't go to car accidents. How often are there car accidents like on Mesker Drive, you know? So we don't get those at TCNJ. So 
at home, it's a little more exciting, I guess. It's, it, I do it at school. I do it really because I like helping others and I like helping my peers and all that good stuff. I don't want to sound selfish, but at home, I do it more for myself. I just enjoy the, the excitement and it's something to do. And like I said, we have a, you know, we have a gym at the firehouse. We have a, a big, um, a big TV room in the firehouse and there's like a social aspect to it. So not to sound selfish, but I guess at home, I do it a little more for myself and a little for the social aspect because there's not much to do in a small town, I guess. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's a little more exciting. Um, calls are a little more interesting, more fires and there's more car accidents. So, um, so yeah, I guess did that answer your question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have you noticed a change during the coronavirus? Like, have you gotten more calls or less calls or like cases, like concerns about that? Definitely less, less fire calls. So people when they're home, obviously. So, so very often with fire calls, for example, people will, um, you know, maybe leave their stove running and then go to work or go to the, you know, go to the store and then they'll set their fire alarm off and then we'll have to come less of that kind of stuff. Cause obviously everyone's home. So they don't leave the stoves running. They don't leave the, you know, the dryers running. They don't, you know, do whatever. They don't leave the gas open for the stove, all that good stuff. So less of those calls, um, especially during quarantine and it's starting to pick up a little bit more now with like the, the old time, I guess, fire calls. Um, but back in March and April, the only calls we were really getting were COVID calls. And it wasn't, um, cause again, people weren't, if people didn't want to go to the hospital for good reason. So a lot of those, like, like I said before, like the silly calls that like, we don't really necessarily need to be there for those kind of stopped. Um, and we saw a lot more of the COVID calls and people were only calling us for COVID. Um, and people were calling, even with the COVID calls, they would call and we'd be like, well, there's not much, especially in March and April, there's not much we can do. The hospitals are kind of overflowing. So if you're, you know, for many people that the COVID is not, I don't want to say it's not a big deal. It's, it's, they can, their body can handle it pretty, pretty easily. And obviously if the um, patient is in severe respiratory stress or they're having severe symptoms, we'll take them. Um, but very often there's not much to do for them. Um, it, especially back in April and May and March and whatnot, we would kind of just tell them like, listen, try to, you know, drink a lot of water, all that good stuff. But if it gets worse, call us back. Um, but the, the calls have kind of picked up at home a little bit more. Um, we're still though, about 200 calls short of where we were last year. So my department does about 1,300, 1,400 calls a year. And we, I think we just passed um, 1,000 the other day. So we're a couple hundred calls short because there were days back in April, May, you know, March, April, May that we wouldn't do a call for a few days um, as opposed to doing three or four in a day. Um, so so that, like I said, definitely a change in the kind of calls, the amount of calls, the um, the calls have just changed in general. Obviously, we go into everywhere with masks on. We go, um, now that we have, or more prepared, we have the N95s, and we've just changed that too because um, obviously back then there was not as many masks, so we try to conserve the masks and we wouldn't go and um, use them all the time. But now that we have got, luckily we've got plenty of masks, we've got plenty of gowns, we've got plenty of PPE, so we don't we don't take any chances now. We're, we are strictly um, going with N95s and a full getup, to, and even if it's not a COVID call. Um, which is thankfully we're lucky enough to have that, have that stuff now. So, um, and people are coming out to more calls too. Back in, back in March and April, I, myself included, I tried not to go out as many calls just because I live with my parents and my, my mom has asthma and, you know, my, my dad worked down in the city um, doing the, the test for COVID. So I didn't want to, if, if at all possible, I try not to expose them, um, especially, you know, being that I'm not getting paid for volunteering. It was, 
it was kind of a, it was, it hurt. It, I don't want to say it hurt. It was, uh, it was weird because it was, you wanted to go out and you wanted to help, but it was, it was stressful because you didn't want to, there was a fine line between putting yourself in danger and helping others and putting my family in danger. Um, I personally was never really afraid of the, the virus. I think that's, I think that's pretty much the same for a lot of our dem like age demographic. I don't think many kids provided they don't have um, health problems are too worried about it for themselves. Um, the bigger thing is that I'm hearing with my friends and my peers is that I don't want to give it to my, you know, my grandma, my, my parents, my whoever. Mm -hmm. So um, I went off on a total tangent there, but. Uh, <laughs> <You're good. laughs> yeah. How do you, so like, I guess, through the pandemic and everything, how do you like kind of, I guess, like take care of yourself and like self-care and especially see like being a part of so much of the action that's happening? Like mm -hmm. what are some measures that you take for your own self-help? And um, I would say the biggest thing for EMS people and fire people is we kind of like to like debrief after a call and we like to talk about it. Um, it kind of makes you feel better. makes you think about, um, well, it's good for two reasons. It makes you feel better about the call because you like, you know, you discuss what went well, what went poorly, what could go better for next time. And obviously, if you, when you talk about things that could go better next time, you know, for next time, what could work. Um, the camaraderie in a firehouse or even EMS or anything is very important, I think. The, and to have that is, I would say, more important than just about anything else. And it's just having that ability to talk about with your, you know, with your peers who all saw the same thing and you all went through the same thing is one of the most important things. Um, but besides that, it's, it's helpful to live at home because at school, I don't, I live with some roommates. Um, but at home, obviously I'm closer to my parents and you know, I have my dogs here and you know, I like to play with my dog. That was a big thing. I, I've, my dog had never played so much Frisbee as he did during the pandemic because I would go outside and he would play Frisbee for two hours. Um, a lot of manual labor on the house too. That was another big thing. People I'm sure were um, trying to pick up their houses and do stuff. Um, one little thing that me and my father did and my brother, we cut down all these trees in our backyard and we would split firewood. And we filled up like all this firewood. It would just, it just felt really good to like just beat the hell out of some like some logs and just, it was very barbaric, but it, it gets, I guess it made everyone feel better. But I guess just doing, doing things that takes your mind off it, but also like talking about things that are like that hurt you also and seeing things. Cause obviously you, you see some pretty scary things. Um, and I guess just talking about it afterwards is my, definitely my most important thing is just not, don't bottle it up. Don't, um, uh, don't be afraid to talk about your peers with it. Um, especially in a firehouse and with men, in general they're less likely to talk about their emotions and how they feel about things but i just i try to stress that to our new members that we get for both um tc and jems and for home uh it's not not to be afraid to like be like hey i saw something that really kind of like messed me up we talk about it and it would be like you know we all seen some stuff and that's a very therapeutic thing to like talk with a guy who's um some of my best friends from my firehouse are like 55 years old like that's um, and it's kind of weird to say that, but it's like, once you understand like the dynamic and everything, it's, it's, it's pretty good. It's, it's, it makes you feel a lot better about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say the firehouse has gotten closer during the COVID, uh, pandemic or have they always been like a secure community? That's a good question. Um, I would say the, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, I definitely, cause that was sometimes the only people that I would see, I wouldn't see my family members. I would see. Um, I mean, I would see my, obviously my immediate family, but I would see my, um, 
you know, my chief and my EMS captain way more than I would see, you know, my grandmother, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles. So um, they kind of you know, they were always kind of like a family to me, and I could always, I always knew that I could I could count on them when I needed them. But um, but especially during the pandemic, it was um, it was nice to have them there. And we definitely got, I definitely personally got closer with them because not only do we all volunteer, most of us are also involved in, uh, in emergency services for uh, our career. So I work as an EM, I volunteer and work as an EMT for a different agency in the county. Um, and most of the guys that I volunteer with are either firemen down the city or firemen in Westchester County, which is a little, it's just close to me or they're, um, they work as EMTs or they work as nurses, they work as wherever they work um, in some kind of emergency services or some kind of healthcare field. So it's um it's good to have it and it's funny you wouldn't think that like people that work in emergency services would want to get off work and then go and volunteer in emergency services but it's it's i guess when you're doing it for your community it makes you feel a little better it's you know it, it's a different dynamic but it's it's definitely good but yeah I, I would say we all got a lot i would say most of us got got closer to uh to each other so <laughs> i guess looking forward in your nursing career what are some like i guess key takeaways from the pandemic that you hope to carry in like with your career? Mm. You're getting all self-introspective on me now. <laughs> Interesting. Things to look. Um, um, let's see. I would say through this is kind of the biggest takeaway that I've had is that the importance of like your general health, like we know that, and obviously people that have like medical conditions, they can't control that's like not, not included, but you know, eating a good diet, getting a plenty of sleep, um, vitamins, minerals, all that good stuff is very, very important. Um, not eating caffeine, which is like, <laughs> if you say this to, you know, people that work in healthcare that they need to get a good night's sleep and not drink coffee, it's kind of like sacrilegious, but, um, I guess like, I guess that self-care is pretty important now. And um, I'll definitely be stressing that to a lot of my patients. And um, I think some of the worst outcomes we've seen with patients have been people that have, um, I guess, not been healthy. And that's kind of opened my eyes a little more because it's just made me realize that how connected everything is in like the body and how important it is to, you know, like I said before, get plenty of sleep and eat a good diet and mm -hmm. uh, don't drink too much coffee and all that good stuff. So um, that's definitely changed. Um, what else? Give me one more thing. I'll give you one more thing. It's also like kind of put into perspective just like how how quickly things can change because you know we've heard of a lot. Obviously, the people that have health conditions not being able to um, fend against the virus very well, but we've seen plenty of people that have been like perfectly healthy. You know, or they're only I guess their only risk factor has been has been being over fifty years old, and they've you know, not done too well with the virus. Um, and I see a lot of those stories in the news, I'm sure, as we all have seen. So just realizing that, like, things can change so quickly and um, for the worse and realizing, you know, how you know how comfortable you are can just all of a sudden change with, like, you know, a simple thing like going to the store, a simple thing like going to see your parents, all of a sudden, like, I mean, I, you know, I think we've all probably had a COVID exposure or have seen someone who's like, you know, oh, I, you know, I had this, you know, I had the snuffles, I have a cough all of a sudden. And it's like, it makes you like stop for a second. It's like, it scares you. And it's, I don't think we've ever had that before where it's all of a sudden, like, 
you have to pause your, you're going to pause your life for two weeks. Like you have to quarantine for two weeks and you're going to not do anything for two weeks. And it's just very kind of crazy how things can, can change so quickly like that. Cause I don't think, I think people that are older have probably experienced that before, but people that are, you know, our age demographic have never really in history had that kind of a like rapid change. I mean, besides going to like war I and mean, like, maybe like a kid who was like drafted for the, you know, the military, maybe have, well, they definitely have experienced that, but not for a long time has our age demographic, I guess, um, dealt with something like this where it's so rapid and so quick to, you know, to come, I guess, if that's yeah. a, if that's a, it's a weird way of answering the question, but. No, it works. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is Nancy. Thanks for listening in today at 91.3 FM WTSR. Remember to check out more content online at WTSR.org on the air, or on our Spotify and Captivate channels. And as always, we remind you to open your mind.